well. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and turn to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. And hasn't the worship been good this morning? Amen? Hadn't it been good? Thank you, Britton. Thank you, Praise Team, for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, But Daniel chapter 10, as we um, continue our series within a series uh, titled Christmas in uh, Babylon. And in this series, uh, this Christmas series, we're just simply trying to uh, connect Babylon to Bethlehem, uh, to Brunswick, and beyond. And uh, I'm real excited about uh, this morning as we look at Daniel chapter 10. And I just want to let you know that we are going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning. So have your Bibles ready, have them ready to turn to different pages, and it's going to be good. Of course, I'll have all the Scripture on the screen behind me as well, but but we are going to look at a lot of Scripture today as we look at Daniel's final vision. Now, before we jump into that, I do want to let you know something that I'm pretty excited about, that this coming week, or I guess about a week and a half on December the 14th, I, along with Britton and Ethan, we are going to produce a podcast And the purpose of the podcast is to answer all your questions about the book of Daniel. Because I'm sure none of you have any questions, right? Um, And uh, we are going to answer your questions that you have about Daniel. So here's what we ask you to do. If you have a question about the book of Daniel or what we have taught upon, I want to encourage you to email your question. And here's the email address. Email it to podcast at fbcbrunswick.com. Email your question about the book of Daniel. Then on December the 14th, um, I and will, will answer the questions. Britton and Ethan will, will uh, read the questions to me, and we will answer them, and it's going to be a good time. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And by the end of today, trust me, you will have plenty of questions. Because do you think we'll make it all the way through the entire chapter? Look at your neighbor and say, no way, he hasn't done it yet. We're going to keep that theme going on, but look at Daniel chapter 10. Uh, Last week we began, or we looked at Daniel chapter 9, and uh, we called Daniel chapter 9 the most amazing chapter in the Bible. The most amazing chapter in the Bible because we're introduced to the 70 weeks. We're introduced to the timeline of humanity, the timeline of when the Messiah will return and uh, his earthly reign and our reign with him um, will uh, uh, coincide together. Well, in Daniel chapter 10, I call this, along with several and a great majority of scholars, call Daniel chapter 10 the strangest chapter in the Bible. This is a strange chapter. Uh, Donald Campbell, in his book, Uh, Daniel, Decoder of Dreams, and Donald Campbell, a great scholar on the book of Daniel, he said this, the wisest man of Babylon, Daniel, unlocked secrets that will affect your world in years to come. And in Daniel 11, 12, 10, 11, and 12, he unmasks history. So over the next two or three chapters, we are going to unmask history. These chapters 10, 11, and 12, they are often overlooked because they are difficult to understand, and we are introduced to the cosmic struggle between good and evil. Uh, We will read over the next several weeks, we will read about angels and demons, and we will read about some type of mortal combat that takes place somewhere between heaven and earth. This is a lot like Star Wars, the dark side versus the Jedi. This is what it's going to be like. 
Um, and here's the great thing about chapters 10, 11, and 12. This isn't science fiction. This is real. This is real history. It is prophecy. It is eschatology. Eschatology means the study of end times. And I do want to let you know that if there are some of you who are here this morning or some of you watching uh, by a website or by our Facebook page and you're wondering about Christianity, you're just thinking about um, uh, following Christ or maybe you're a brand new believer in Christ and, and you hear this vision and you think to yourself, man, this is really crazy and weird. Well, let me help you out. You're right. It is crazy and weird. And it's okay to think that because there is some, some strange stuff in here, but it is biblical and we know that it is true. Amen, church? This is true. This is history. This is what our history will look like in the coming years and until Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, returns once again. So Daniel 10 um, is the introduction to this fourth vision. Now, if you remember... There have been three visions so far in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 gives us the first vision. That first vision was a very broad vision of four beasts, which represents four kingdoms that rise out of the Gentile world. And out of these four beasts, we learn the history, um, a past history that's been fulfilled, um, and there's still some yet to be fulfilled. The second vision comes in Daniel chapter 8, when this vision focuses in on two of those kingdoms, the Medo-Persian kingdom and the Grecian kingdom. And specifically, we are introduced to two characters in Daniel chapter 8. Um, one of them is historic, whose name is Alexander the Great, the great leader of the Grecian kingdom. And then we're introduced into a brand new character in Scripture called the Antichrist, the one who's going to come at the end and who's going to try to rule the world. And so these visions, they get, they get more and more specific, more and more precise. Last week, as we looked at Daniel chapter 9, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, we are introduced and we learn about the end times, the seven weeks or the 77s and we learn that God has given humanity a timeline and we've learned that, that timeline began with a certain degree uh, when the Jewish people could go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and the temple we know historically that that took place about 445 BC so 445 BC on is when the countdown for the end time began so we're introduced to the 70th week, and as we looked at Scripture, we looked at history, we know that we are somewhere between the 69th and 70th week. Amen? Is your mind blown yet? Get ready, because it's going to get blown some more. Well, here in Daniel chapter 10, as we are introduced to this fourth vision, we are going to learn about the setting and the timing of this vision. This is historical. You'll know that every vision we've talked about, we've talked about the history in it, the setting in it, because this is real life. 
This is true humanity. This happened in real, a real span of time. So we're going to learn something about history. We're going to learn the mood of Daniel. So we have historical, we have emotional, then we're going to learn about Christ here in Daniel chapter 10. So we have a theological aspect of Daniel chapter 10. And then maybe uh, we will learn about angels and demons, which is supernatural. Probably will not get to talk a lot about that this morning, but there's a supernatural element here to Daniel chapter 10. Historical, emotional, theological, and supernatural. And I'm really looking forward to this this morning. And to make it a little bit more fun, since it's Christmas, every one of my points this morning, and there's only two points, they are the title of Christmas songs. Amen? I'm the only one who likes that. That's really good. But here we go. Number one, here's my first point. Write this down. Blue Christmas. It is a blue Christmas. Daniel 10, it begins uh, this historical setting of the fourth and final vision. And so what we see is that Daniel is having a blue, blue Christmas. By the way, who sang that song? Is he still alive? I don't think so. Remember that, all right? Elvis has passed. But he's saying this great Christmas song, I will have a blue Christmas without you. Look at this in verse number one. Follow along. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict. In your notes or in the margin of your Bible, I want you to write this down, out beside great conflict, a great war physical and spiritual. So what Daniel is going to see is a great war, that a war is coming. So that means that John Lennon's famous Christmas song, Happy Christmas, the war is over, is theologically incorrect. I don't think I need to tell you that about John Lennon, but just to let you know, just trying to tie in the Christmas songs. Are you with me this morning? So there's a great conflict, and it begins, verse number one, continue. But Daniel understood the message, and he had an understanding of the vision. I want you to write down this date, because this is extremely important to understand the fourth vision. Write down 536 B.C. Write that down, because we're going to come back to that here in a few moments. 536 B.C. Verse number one tells us that this was the third year of Cyrus, which history, all the history books outside of Scripture tell us it was the year 536, which means when Daniel writes this vision or sees this vision, Daniel is about 85 years old, but he's still going strong. And so he sees this vision, and it takes place about two to three years after Daniel chapter 9. Now, what do we remember about Daniel chapter 9? In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel reads the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's prophecy was this. The Israelite nation would be sent into exile, the Jewish people would be sent into exile for 70 years. At the end of the 70 years, the Jewish people would be allowed to return home to the promised land. So in Daniel chapter 10, which is two to three years after Daniel chapter 9, it means this, the timing is this. Daniel's in Babylon, but the captivity is over. The 70 years have ended. Now, how do we know that the 70 years have ended? Again, historical data, all the history books state this, as does Scripture. Turn with me to the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 1. 
And again, we're going to look at a lot of scripture this morning, okay? Uh, It'll be on the screen behind me, but I want you to follow along, read God's word. There's something about reading it and hearing it together that just, that it it puts it in the mind and you hold on to it. Ezra chapter 1. And this is what we read. The book of Ezra is the return of the Israelite people to Babylon. This is what you'd call a remnant. The remnant returns to Jerusalem from Babylon. And here we read verse 1. Now in the first year of what king? What is that? Cyrus. So there's a connection already to Daniel chapter 10. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that... Here's what he does. He sends a proclamation throughout his kingdom, and he put it in writing. And this is the proclamation. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Look at verse 3. Whoever there is among you of all his people, that's Jewish people, that's the exiles who have been exiled out of Jerusalem 70 years prior to this, Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem and let him rebuild the house of the Lord. So we see here that Cyrus gave the proclamation in 536 B.C. Daniel 10 is written in 539 B.C., which means the captivity is over. And so all the Jewish people should return home. This is great news. Amen? This is good news. And so Daniel should be singing joy to the world, right? Daniel should be singing, I'll be home for Christmas, right? But he's not. He's not. It's a, remember, it's a, it's a blue Christmas. Why? Look, look at verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, I had been, what's that word? Mourning. I had been mourning for three entire weeks. Now, when we read verse 2, a question arises, does it not? What's the question? Why is Daniel mourning? Why is Daniel mourning? He's a Jew. The captivity is over. The good news is you can go back home. So why is Daniel mourning? Well, I think there's three reasons why Daniel is mourning, and I want to share those three reasons with you. This is... Yes? Was that me? Okay. Let me give you three reasons why Daniel, why I believe Daniel is mourning. We see this from Scripture. This is, this is fairly lengthy here, but it's important to understanding this vision, okay? So, will you stay with me this morning? Look at your name and say, I'll, I'll stay with you, Pastor. I'll stay with you. Okay. The first reason I believe that Daniel um, is mourning is because of this. Daniel does not go home. Daniel stays in Babylon. Daniel is truly having Christmas in Babylon You see where the title of this series came from? It's Christmas in Babylon. Daniel didn't go home. Now you know all the emotions that come along when you're not able to go home for Christmas. Amen? You know those feelings. You know those emotions. Daniel's not going home. Now why is he not going home? Well, one, he's he's 85. The journey from Babylon... To Jerusalem is not easy, so 
It's a really good guess that he can't make it because he is 85, but he can't go home. He's not going home. Now, you and I, we can take a step back and we can see, Daniel, it's going to be okay. We can see, we can see that God has a bigger plan for Daniel in Babylon than he does for Daniel in Jerusalem. Amen? There's a bigger plan for Daniel in Babylon. Because Daniel's going to get this vision. This reminds me of, of John the Revelator when he gets his vision in the book of Revelation. Where's John when he receives that revelation? He's not at home. He's in exile. He's on the island of Patmos. So I think from those two examples of Daniel, who's not home, who's in exile, who's away, and John the Revelator, who's not at home, and they were, I, I think we can make the connection that, listen, you don't have to be at home for God to reveal himself to you. You don't have to be at home because you never know where God's going to reveal himself to you. You never, never know, and I know for some of you, some of you, some you have shared with me, some I just know just by, uh, just kind of the situation, but, but I know this, you may not be where you want to be. You may not be where you want to be, but I guarantee you this, God knows exactly where you are. You may want to be home for Christmas, and I'm using that term to mean you're not where you want to be. You may not be home for Christmas, but that does not mean that God has neglected where you are. God has you exactly where you are for his reason and for his purpose, and he wants to reveal himself to you. But it still breaks Daniel's heart that he's not able to go home. The second reason why I believe Daniel is mourning and weeping is because of this. The overwhelming majority of the Jewish exiles did not go home either. I think you need to hold on to that. The overwhelming majority of Jewish exiles, they did not return home either. Think about that. Now, scholars will argue how many, how many exiles were sent in the first place, 70 years earlier. They'll argue over the number, but the, a really good conservative guess is this. Over 150,000 Jews were exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so you would think after 70 years, that number would multiply. Isn't that right? You would think that parents, grandparents would teach their children about the ways of the Lord and that they would be devoted to Christ or to, to God the Father at this time. And, and you would think that they would want to return home to the promised land. But not that many returned. Well, how, how many returned? Do we know how many returned? Once again, history the history books tell us, as does Scripture. Go back to Ezra chapter 2. I mean, aren't y'all just excited right now? This is good stuff. No, pastor, I don't like math. Well, it's still good, okay? Look at Ezra chapter 2, verse 64. We have a detailed account of how many Jewish people returned from Babylon to Jerusalem. Now remember, there were at least 150,000 that went 70 years prior. But look at verse number 64. Ezra, Zerubbabel, they keep a great count, and here it is. The whole assembly numbered 42,360. That's not 150,000, is it? Something's missing here. And this is what I see. It says that Daniel is mourning, and I believe that Daniel is weeping. I want you to listen to me because there's application today in 2020. Daniel is weeping over the callousness of God's people. Hello? 
He's weeping. He's broken. He's hurt. He's crying. He's weeping over the callousness of God's people who refuse to return to the land that God gave to them. God said, this is your land. It's flowing with milk and honey. I'll meet your every need. You have everything that you need to live. I will give you uh, hope. I will give you a future. I will give you life. This is yours. You go here. You obey me. It's all yours. Josephus, who is the chief historian of the, the Jewish people, Josephus wrote in his book called The Antiquities, he wrote this about this remnant. He said this, Many remained in Babylon, listen, being unwilling to leave their possessions. Meaning, the people of God chose the world instead of holiness. So Daniel sees, after he's been praying for 70 years, He's dedicated his life. He has set his mind not to defile himself. He was not going to eat the king's food. He was not going to drink the king's wine. He, 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 he was, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm going to stay true to the one true living God. And I want all Jewish people, I want all my people to do the same thing. And a very few, a very small goes, it goes back to Jerusalem. So here's what Daniel sees. He sees that God's people have lost their passion and they've lost their identity. They've lost their passion and they've lost their identity because they've been living in the world far too long and they'd rather live in the world than live what God's destiny is for their lives. Man, do you see this? Do you not see this today? I mean, God's people here, they lost the will to stand up for what's right and they let the world run over them. Because they chose to look like the world. And now they have a chance to go back and they don't. Can you see why Daniel is weeping? Can you see why this breaks our heart? Oh, folks, our hearts need to be broken over the believers who have lost their passion, who have lost their identity. We need to weep and we need to be broken over those believers people of God who have chosen to live in the world, look like the world, and do the things of the world. Because believer, listen, when you do that, and students, listen to me, when you live like the world, and you, and you act like the world, and you walk like the world, and you talk like the world, you will lose your passion, and you will lose your identity in Christ Jesus. And my heart breaks for you, and our heart needs to break for you. So, so Daniel is overwhelmed. He's weeping. He's mourning that the people of God will not return home. And then, and then he receives some bad news there. You see, for the remnant that was able to return, they go back to Jerusalem to build the, uh, to build the city, to rebuild the walls. And look at Ezra chapter 4. Look at Ezra chapter 4. So this remnant that goes back, you would think, and this is kind of the, the false belief of Christianity, you think that once I'm a Christian and I obey God, everything is going to go perfect and well, right? Right? Well, if, uh, Ezra chapter 4 is proof that this is, that's not a true statement. Look at Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. Excuse me, look at verse number 4. I'm sorry, verse number 4. Then the people of the land, the people of the land that the remnants, the exiles from Babylon who went back to Jerusalem, 
They go to Jerusalem. The people of the land is present-day Palestinians. So truly, the Bible has nothing to apply to us in 2020. Amen? This is Palestinians that we're talking about, that they go back to Palestinians who are Gentiles. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of God, people of Judah, and they frightened them from building. Is that still going on today? Now look over verse number 24, Ezra 4, verse 24. Then the work on the house of God in Jerusalem, that which the Jewish people were called to go do when they returned, because of the Palestinians, because of those who are not of God, then the work on the house of God in Jerusalem stopped, and it was stopped until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Do you see why Daniel is having a blue Christmas? Do you see it? Why he's having a blue, blue Christmas? Well, there's one more reason why I think he's having a blue Christmas, so let's keep going on. Look at, let's pick up our story back in Daniel chapter 10, verse 3. Verse 3 says this, I, Daniel, did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any anointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Now, what I love about verse number three is this. Daniel shows us how to respond when we're down in the dumps. He shows us how to respond when we're having a blue Christmas. And what Daniel does is he, he stands in the gap for his people. He's feeling down, but yet he says, you know what? I'm not going to focus on me. I'm going to stand in the gap for my people and for my city, Jerusalem. Well, and he has a partial fast. I'm not going to talk about fasting this morning, but just know this, that fasting is a spiritual discipline that is severely lacking today. When you fast, spiritual strongholds are broken. When you fast, um, uh, things are brought to light from God when you fast. Well, that's a different sermon for a different day. And everybody says, thank you, Jesus, because I'm hungry right now. Look at verse 4, and this is the third reason why I believe Daniel was mourning. Are y'all still with me? Look at, look at the verse number 4, because this is the third reason why I believe Daniel is mourning. Verse number four, and I want you to write this down. It's Passover. It's Passover. Verse number four. On the 24th day of the first month, now stop right there. On the 24th day of the first month, the first month of the Hebrew calendar is Nisan, which is, uh, which is our March and April. Now, according to Leviticus chapter 23, during the first month, the Israelites were to celebrate... Passover. Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Now, quickly, what was Passover? Let's remember what Passover was. Passover was the celebration of God delivering the Israelite people from Egypt. And so every year at a certain time, the Jewish people, the Israelites, were to celebrate Passover. They were to remember God's deliverance. They're to remember God delivering them out of slavery and delivering them into into the promised land. They're to remember the deliverance, but they're also to remember and look forward to a future deliverance. And so Daniel, he is in the midst of the Passover season. He's already thinking about how God has delivered his people, and now he sees that the captivity has now ended. People are returning back, and his people don't get it. And he's 
begging for a deliverer to make himself known. We know from Daniel chapter 9 that he's already received a vision that the Messiah will come. And he lets his people know there is a deliverer coming. There is a deliverer coming. And so he is just overwhelmed with the setting of this vision. And it's a blue, blue Christmas. But the takeaway is this. But God had a purpose for Daniel in the midst of that blue Christmas. And he has a purpose for you as well. Let's see what God does. And we'll do that next week. Let's pray. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I had you there. Write this down. Write this down. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Well, this is going to get good. Look at verse 4 again. Let's walk through it. See what God does in response to Daniel's prayer, his concern for his people, his concern for the holy city, Jerusalem. Verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. In Hebrew, it literally, literally reads, I, Daniel, I saw, my eyes, I looked. It's first grade English right there. It's really good. But he says, I saw this. So what Daniel is about to say is about to, I'm about to give you my testimony. I'm about to share with you, even though I've been in down to the dumps, even though I've had a blue Christmas, I'm going to tell you what God did, and this is a testimony, and what I'm telling you, it is true, I saw it with my own eyes. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, now you need to circle that word behold there in your text, because Daniel used it about five times in the next couple of uh, uh, verses and chapters, and in Hebrew, when you see the word behold, it is, it is, you know, has somebody ever texted you in all caps? right? With about 14 exclamation points on it, right? This is, this is what it's doing. This is what it means. And boom, he wants to catch this. He wants you to, to, to see what's going on. He wants us to, to see what he has seen. And he's going to tell us what God does when he, uh, when Daniel uh, stands in the gap for his people. Look at five. <clears throat> I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen. Whew whose waist was girded with the belt of pure gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. What's tumult? It is the sound of the multitude. Now, I would say that's pretty shocking, wouldn't you? This is pretty amazing. Just think, you're praying and fasting for three weeks, and you see a vision. A lot of us, when we see a vision after, not, after fasting, we think, well, I just need to drink more water. But no, this has nothing to do with what he has drinking or not, what he has drank or what he has not drank. Look at this. He has a vision standing out in the middle of nowhere. He'd rather be in Jerusalem, but now he finds himself thousands of miles away from home, standing next to the Tigris River, and all of a sudden, a creature who looks like a man appears in front of him. And this is the description of this appearance of this man. This man is clothed in linen, which is white, which stands for purity. The high priest would wear white linen. 
He had a belt of gold. Gold stands for royalty, and it is the highest metal. His body was like a barrel, which, which barrel takes on, uh, barrel has a, t- has a tendency to take on the color of that which is around it. So in this vision, this barrel has an orangish glow to it. Because his face is like lightning. His eyes are like fire. His arms and feet are, are, are polished bronze. And his voice is like the, the multitude. You know, one of the joys that when it comes to congregational worship is one of the things I love to do right down on the front is when every voice in this room is singing. the joy to hear God's people. So when this man speaks, it's the voice of the multitudes. I don't know who you believe this man to be, but this is no ordinary heavenly visitor. Some scholars will say that this man dressed in linen, some say that this is the angel Gabriel. Some think that this is the angel Michael. Some scholars believe that this was another unnamed angel with the same uh, or equal rank. And I I think all of those scholars make great points. But I believe they're wrong. I believe they're wrong. And I, I respect many of those scholars. I am convinced. I am convinced that what we just read in verse 5 and 6, I am convinced that this is none other than God. And it is in the form of, I want you to listen to this, it is in the form of, he is in the form of the pre-incarnate, uncreated, second person of the Trinity. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's make the connection to Christmas. This is the pre-incarnation of Christ Jesus. This is This is Emmanuel. This is O come, O come, Emmanuel. This is God with us. Theologians call this specifically a Christophany. A Christophany, what is that? A Christophany is this. It is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ Jesus. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ Jesus. This is a Christophany, and Daniel sees it. Now, Pastor, why do you think that this is the pre-incarnate Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me share with you some scriptures. There's two reasons why I believe it's the incarnate Christ. Two, two reasons. One, scripture interprets scripture. Amen? And two, Daniel's response to this vision. Okay, so let's look at some scripture, okay? Go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Are y'all getting excited yet? Because I'm, I'm about to get excited here. Because this is, this is fascinating. I'm just saying, when I was going over this again last night, I just had... I just had a moment with the Lord. It was incredible. Uh, Look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 25, and see if there's any similarities between Daniel's vision and Ezekiel's vision. What we're about to read is Ezekiel's vision of divine glory. Okay, verse number 25, Ezekiel 1, 25, and it says this. And there came a voice from above the expanse that was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Now, above the expanse, verse 26, there was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli. 
in appearance, and on that which resembled a throne. High up was a figure with the appearance of a what? It's the appearance of a man. Verse 27. And then I noticed from the appearance of his loins, his upper body and upward, something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around and within it. And from the appearance of his loins downward, I saw something like fire, and there was a radiance all around him. Question, does that sound a lot like Daniel's vision? You bet it does. And Ezekiel is not describing an angel. He is describing a vision of the divine glory. He is seeing somebody who is on a throne, and he has the appearance of a man. Angels do not sit on a throne. There was one angel who wanted to sit on a throne, and his name, Lucifer, Satan. And God said, you can't do that. You're gone. And that's where we see the cosmic struggle struggle take place. Well, this is good. This, this is good. Go to Revelation, the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Again, compare the visions to Ezekiel's vision and to Daniel's vision. And so now, Revelation chapter 1, we know at this time that Jesus has already come. He already went up into heaven, and now he's going to tell John about his return and what's going to take place. And so John now sees a vision of I believe Christ. Look at verse number 12, Revelation chapter 1. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the middle of those lampstands, I saw, here you go, you ready? I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest was a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, and when it, was made, when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of many waters. Wow. Is this not the same vision of Daniel? This is Scripture interpreting Scripture. This is the scripture telling you what you need to believe about this vision. And so Daniel on the Tigris, away from home, blue Christmas, he's out in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden you can hear the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and Jesus shows up. That'll take you out of the dumps in a heartbeat, won't it? Well, now watch this. Go back to Daniel chapter 10. Go back to Daniel chapter 10. Are y'all with me? Look at Daniel 10. Now notice... Daniel's response, this is good. Look at verse number seven. So Daniel has seen this vision. And then he says, now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Again, the Hebrew is emphatic, and the Hebrew literally says, I saw, I, Daniel, I alone. This is me. Daniel wants you and I to know that he saw Christ, that he saw Christ And Christ came and revealed himself to him, and that Christ gave him the revelation of the future. And again, as I was thinking last night, just going over this message again, the Lord brought to my mind a a scripture, a story in scripture, again, that connects Babylon to Bethlehem to Brunswick and beyond. Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. This is amazing just to see what scripture does, how scripture connects with itself. You know, people who argue against Scripture have no idea what they argue against because they probably have never read the Scriptures. Scripture 
interprets Scripture. Scripture defends itself. Go to Luke chapter 2. Check this out. This is the story of Jesus after he was born. Eight days later, something miraculous happens. Check out this story, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Who else was righteous and devout? Say Daniel. Very good. And this man was looking for the consolation of Israel. What does consolation of Israel mean? It means that Simeon was looking for Israel's help. He was looking for the deliverer. He was looking for the one to come and help Israel. Folks, is this not the vision of Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12? When Daniel says, it's a Passover, and he's praying and believing for the deliverer to come once again. This is Simeon here in Luke chapter 2. And it says, verse 25, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had what? Seen the Lord. And he came in. And he came in the spirit in the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then Simeon took him into his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, now listen to this, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your work. This vision came to Simeon in the end of his life. The vision came to Daniel at the end of his life. It's as if God is saying to Daniel, I'm giving you this vision, and now you are released, and you are to go in peace. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared, which means this, you have prophesied that it was written before. That's what that means. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples. You have prepared this before. Look at verse 32. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. A great majority of the book of Daniel was written in Aramaic. Why? To reach the Gentiles. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so what Simeon sees, Simeon sees God incarnate, Jesus Christ. Daniel sees the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And they both testify to the fact that Emmanuel, God with us, he has come and he has made himself known. And God has stepped into humanity. Wow. Go back to Daniel chapter 10. Is this not good? Two of you think so. Is it somewhat good for the rest of you? Somewhat? This is good. This is the Bible coming to life. It's true. It's real. Now look at Daniel's response, and we're going to end. Verse number seven. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. What does that sound like? Sounds like Saul, Paul, right? Saul on the road to Damascus, a vision, a bright light comes down. He sees it, but the other people do not. So I, Daniel, I see the vision, while the men who are with me did not see the vision. I think a great application is this, that only God will open the eyes so that you can see the supernatural. It's only God who opens the eyes to allow us to see the supernatural. And I believe this with all of my heart, church. If there's ever been a time, if there's ever been a time in our country and in the life of the churches in the United States of America 
If there's ever been a time for us for the need to see the supernatural, today's the day. Now, what do I mean by supernatural? I mean this, that we need to see the supernatural where we pull back the covers and to see the spirits of behind of what's really going on. Are you with me? Church, we need to wake up. That's church to the whole. Moms and dads, we need to wake up to see the spirit behind the movement in our country. To see behind the supernatural. To see what is going on. You see, even though we're not going to cover this this morning, but Daniel t uh, verses 10 through 18, um, we see the supernatural. In verses 10 through 18, we see another angel appear. We see Gabriel, in my opinion, verse number 11. I believe verse 11 on is the angel Gabriel. I see that, I believe that Gabriel shows up in this vision again, and that he is in uh, combat against the prince of Persia, which I believe is a demon of the kingdom of Persia. Meaning that we can make the biblical argument that there are demons assigned to nations. Hello? I believe that's true because we see that right here. And we see in 11 through 18 that, my, uh, that, that, that Gabriel fights against this king, this prince of Persia, and then the Michael shows up. Daniel 10, verses 11 through 18, it's the first mention of Michael where Michael shows up. Michael's the great warrior, and he's the great protector of Daniel's people. Michael is the angel of Israel. And so we see this great supernatural uh, occurrence where, where Daniel is allowed to pull back the covers and see behind, see behind the Persian kingdom. And in the vision in 11 and 12, we're going to see, we're going to see the supernatural behind those kingdoms, behind those rulers, and how those rulers navigate the country, and we see what's truly going on behind. And, ch and church, I believe this with all of my heart, this Christmas season, we need to ask God to show us the supernatural behind the movements of socialism, Marxism, uh, uh, critical race theory, of, 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 of liberalism, and you name it. We need to see behind and need to see the supernatural, what is behind those movements. That's what we need to see. And the only way that we can see that, the only way that we can see the supernatural is this. If we get alone with God ourselves and we allow his word to speak to us and the Holy Spirit will speak to us through his word. It's the only way. Well, verse 7. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them and they ran away to hide themselves. Verse 8. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. Huh. Do you see the application there? Get alone with Christ. Get alone with him. Spend time with him. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned uh, to what uh, the Hebrew or what we would say is white as a ghost. And I retained no strength. But look at verse 9 and 10. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Folks, listen. 
when we come in contact with the with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he's going to drop us to our knees my understanding of Scripture when I when I read of people come in contact with the Lord God Almighty and to come into a vision with him the people aren't jumping up and down hooping and hollering when they see the Lord Jesus Christ are you with me are you with me what they're doing they're falling on their face saying woe is me I'm a man I'm a person of unclean lips and I need you I need you this is what Daniel did now here in verse 10 I believe is the great story of Christmas then behold all caps five exclamation points then behold a hand touched me. Isn't that good? A hand touched me and set my trembling, set me trembling on my hands and my knees. Meaning this hand came in, came through, and touched, touched Daniel and set him straight. He was on his face. He lifted him up and he set him up. He set him straight. And this is none other than a picture of God entering into humanity. It's his hand coming through humanity and he's touching humanity. And he did it all through sending his son, Jesus Christ, which is what we celebrate this season. This is the story of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God entering into mankind and God wanting you to simply see Jesus in all of his glory. This is the reading of God's word this morning. Amen? And so the challenge is, why don't you today, why don't you come and adore Christ Jesus, our Lord? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And Father, I stand personally, I stand in awe of the scripture that we read this morning. Father, what a beautiful time I had with you to study your word. I pray that it could be beautiful to those who have heard this morning. That we would come and adore you because of what we read. that our hearts would just be burdened and broken for our fellow believers who have lost their passion because they've chosen the ways of the world. God, this Christmas season, may we just beg of you to restore them so that they could come and adore you. And Father, for those who are listening today, watching and Father, for those who, who haven't made a decision to follow you, Father, I pray through the reading of your word, the revealed word of God, the identification of Jesus the Christ, the incarnation, Father, I pray that they'd come to know you, that they would surrender their lives to you, that they would bow their knee, giving up the ways of this world and following you because that's why you came. For God so loved the world that he gave us you, his one and only son. 
that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. Oh God, may we all come and adore you today. In Jesus' name.